Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, the Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring the latest on our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. And the latest is that the Miami Heat, unfortunately, have been uh, swept out of the first round of the NBA playoffs uh, in their first round matchup against the third team, Milwaukee Bucks. I just wanted to go ahead and just rip that bandaid off real quick. This isn't gonna be this isn't gonna be the most optimistic of episodes. Well, we'll we'll end a little bit on some optimism, uh, just to make it better. But yeah, a little bit of a journey to to get to that light at the end of the tunnel first. So uh, after a close game one overtime loss, um, and then a blowout game two, Miami definitely took a hit, but had a chance to recover as games three and four were in Miami in front of a packed house for the first time all season. And this was an absolutely raucous crowd that wanted nothing more than to just give this team the energy to get back in this series. And with the crowd behind them, the Miami Heat walked out and delivered a 14-point first quarter, which is obviously a quarter that they lost, and they would proceed to lose every quarter for the rest of a blowout game three highlighted by Miami only scoring like I think it was mid 80s 84 points or something like that which put them into a 3-0 hole which is just a death sentence and sure I could talk about like yeah Jimmy Butler had a pretty good uh, first half scoring but he was the only one that was providing that at all it reminded me me personally a lot of uh, game five 2014 NBA finals when LeBron scored, like, 17 points or something in the first quarter, but nobody else in the Heat did anything, and so once you get to the second quarter, that was just kind of it, and it sputtered to the end of the game. It was a lot like Game 3. Like, Butler was out there trying to do something. Like, this was finals mode, highest gear he's got left, Jimmy Butler, just to at least try to stave off a sweep this time rather than try to win a finals. That's how far we dropped, but regardless... Um, Jimmy tried, nobody else was putting anything up, and then Miami quietly went into a 3-0 hole. And everything becomes kind of surreal after a 3-0 hole, just because it's kind of like the, it's an inevitability at that point. No teams come back from a 3-0 hole for good reason. So, I could see an argument where, uh, like if the first three games were, were extremely close, and maybe they came down to like overtime, like for some reason the series is just that close, Maybe you could try to talk yourself into digging yourself out. Miami's case, though, they had one close game in the beginning, which that seemed to boil, in retrospect, that seemed to boil more down to the Bucks just trying to have to get over the mental hurdle of beating the Miami Heat after last year and not having some things go their way. Since that, though, two and three, blowouts. Absolute blowouts. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. There was a stat. Um, so from the overtime in game one through the games two and three, Milwaukee won every single every single quarter, uh, which is ridiculous. Absolutely dominating performance. So at that point, like you, you're not coming back against that team. They just absolutely have you. We'll, we'll get into why a little bit later on, but it was just one of those things like it give you the sense of surrealness, even in game four where. Miami had a lead for a little while, and it kind of looked like like maybe they could at least avoid a sweep. And then, like we've seen many times over the last 
few years. The third quarter happened. The third quarter from all hell. Bucks jumped to the lead and coast to sweep the Miami Heat uh, out of the first round. Which, at the time of recording this, the Washington Wizards have staved off a sweep themselves. So (laughs) Miami Heat now become the only team that was swept in the first round of the 2021 playoffs. And to make it uh, doubly worse, this was a sweep to a team that Miami thoroughly thrashed last year. So from there, just to take a retrospective, looking back on what happened last year, what went like so right for Miami, just to, to, to try to look into this a little bit more. Uh, last year, Miami had a lot of success walling off Giannis, uh, so that way his drives weren't as effective, and obviously Giannis is not... One of his biggest weakness is his shooting, so you can neutralize a good bit of what Giannis does on offense by just kind of walling him off. Uh, with that as well, the Bucks also had a player on their roster at the time named Eric Bledsoe, who is a notorious uh, playoff-disappearing kind of player. And true to form, he was an absolute black hole last year. So Miami was able to... Well, when I say black hole, black hole on offense, you could not do anything at all. Uh, so Miami was able to help a lot off of Eric Bledsoe, specifically to like build the wall and things like that. And then conversely, he's a he's a solid defender, but still somebody you can attack. And if he's not giving anything on offense, then that's just a overall really bad negative. And then um, the other part on Milwaukee's side was just Budenholzer not making any really big adjustments, trying to stick with the system that got them the first seed in the regular season. Again, not understanding that the playoffs are different than the regular season. You have to be adaptable. Um, he just wouldn't make any adaptations until it was too little too late. So Spo was like, oh, well, okay. If you're just not going to adapt to this and I'm going to keep winning with this, then cool. That's, that's what we're going to do. And then boom. Conversely, for Miami, Jay Crowder did an absolutely fantastic job um, on both ends of the floor for Miami, both defending Giannis as a primary defender on him and then on the offensive side, an absolute flamethrower from three didn't eat up a lot of possessions, but was still able to consistently provide them points um, again without using a lot of touches of the ball. Efficiency—that's what—that's what we like out of like an exemplary three and D role player, which is what Crowder did for them. It also really helped Miami that there were several months off for older players like Goran Dragic to get extremely healthy. And also for players like Tyler Hero to add some layers to their game uh, and kind of come back almost more akin to like what you would see from a freshman to sophomore season rather than what you would usually see uh, uh, mid-season. And then between like Hero, Crowder, Dragic, they were able to give Miami enough that Butler was able to just kind of coast a little through the game and then come in and close. That was Miami's formula for success. Um... They definitely did a good amount to help them win that series. The Bucks did a good amount to help them lose that series. Uh, personally, I would say it would be along the lines of like 60% of it's on the Bucks for doing things that were not helping them. 40% of it was Miami doing things that did help them. End of the day, a win is still a win. Like Miami earned their victory nonetheless, even if the Bucks definitely gave some, them some help along the way. Uh, since then, though, the Bucks have absolutely not given Miami any help at all as they responded like a, what I would say like an actual contending level organization should 
by making a lot of changes to the roster. Um, specifically, they uh, went out and swapped out Black Hole Bledsoe for Drew Holiday. So, I mean, massive upgrade there. Not only is Drew Holiday a better defender, which is probably Bledsoe's best thing that he was given the Bucks in the playoffs, but it, Holiday is a way better offensive player. And just the, the flip from a, having a negative at that position, something that Miami could have helped off of, to somebody that actually commands a good defender um, on while they're on the offensive end, it just makes a, a world of difference for you know not only stopping the wall that the well, the wall tactic on Giannis, but also Holiday can actually be more of a facilitator playmaker. So that way it, it takes the burden off of Giannis, which doubly takes down the wall because no reason to put up a wall if Giannis actually isn't driving that much. Holiday in and of himself was at least good enough to get Giannis to re-sign for the Bucks, which obviously is massively huge. It allows them to then later on re-sign Holloway to, uh, to Holiday to an extension. So more good things are happening for the Bucks right now. Uh, but in addition to the Holiday thing, which is probably the biggest change, they also brought in P.J. Tucker, who has turned into a fantastic um, option for them, especially if they want to go small. Uh, P.J. Tucker did fantastic defense on Jimmy Butler as well. Really kind of prevented Jimmy's, you know, kind of post up and bully ball them down to the rim. And then just as important as roster overhaul was the mentality overhaul of Budenholzer, who started to become more flexible, more adaptable, trying to get out of the rigid system and try other things. Uh, they Milwaukee Bucks were the third seed this year in part because they dropped a few games mainly because Budenholzer was trying out different things like switching or uh, different kinds of looks, small ball stuff, trying to figure out small ball lineups so that they could be a better playoff team. Like That's kind of one of the, the mental hurdles you got to get over a little bit is uh, it matters so much more to be a better playoff team than it is a regular season team. Like, in well, in theory, it proved last year, did not prove this year. Miami was built last year specifically to be a good regular season team and then a really great playoff team, which is what ended up happening. Uh, this year, obviously, not so much. But in that same vein, the Bucks very clearly went into this season, especially under Budenholzer, and said, you know what? Okay, if we win the games, great. If we lose some games, but we learn some stuff that we have for the playoffs, even better. And by the time the Bucks got to the playoffs, they had a few things that they could throw Miami's way. Uh, for Miami's side, since then... They lost out on re-signing Jay Crowder. Uh, at, at the time, Miami was still trying to keep cap space available for the potential of running at Giannis. So they didn't want to commit long-term money to Crowder. Uh, Crowder like ended up getting, like I think it was like three years, $30 million from the Suns. Uh, Miami was offering him like one year, $14 million. So sure, more, more money up front, but obviously about half as much money overall. Um, so Crowder took the long-term money instead, which... It's fair. Can't can't blame a guy for that, but end of the day, Crowder ended up walking in Miami's roster. Uh, now faced a glaring hole at power forward with Crowder out. Uh, in addition, thanks to a very short off season between being in the NBA Finals and then turning around and playing again, like about two months later, the Heat got decimated by injuries to pretty much every single major player: Hero, Dragic, Bam, Butler. Uh, Robinson was pretty healthy. I think Nunn was out for a little bit. 
That's all I can remember off the top of my head. But that is most of Miami's playoff rotation last year already. Um, and yeah, those kinds of injuries really hurt the ability to develop chemistry. Like, sure, this is still a lot of the same players from last year, so there is some chemistry that carries over. But still, when rotations are constantly shuffling because players are in and out due to injury or COVID protocol, really tough to have any sort of consistency with the team. And several players like Kieran Dragic struggled. And lastly, Miami did fail to kind of address holes. So, like, for example, we talked about Jay Carter leaving. That left a big hole on the front court uh, spot next to Bam. Miami didn't address it well. They, they went on and got Trevor Riza, who was able to kind of, like, patchwork it for a little bit. But that ended up only being something that worked in the mid in the regular season, did not translate to the playoffs. And sure, they went and got uh, Dwayne Dedman as well to help them at with, at the backup, uh, big because usually the backup big Kelly Olynyk they had to give up in an Oladipo trade for Oladipo who ended up only playing a few games before getting injured. The point being is that they they did try to make some moves, but at the end of the day, the playoff rotation got patched up with Dwayne Dedman and Trevor Reza, who did a very good job, but were also not playing recently for, for good reason, because these players are limited. And overall, it just kind of shows that the the Heat, the roster was definitely worse than it was uh, last playoffs. Well, the Bucks got better, and would, well, at least like I myself will readily admit was I didn't realize how big of a difference the, that gap had become. Like, even last year, pretty easy to argue that the Bucks had a more talented roster than Miami. That's why earlier I said it was like a 60-40 split. Because I think, it, I think if both teams had actually played neutral, the Bucks win that in seven, which I thought the Heat would win this series in seven. And that ended up being not the case because the Bucks, from what should have been like a seven-game uh, series win, that roster got better, Miami's got worse, and that resulted in what we had that happened this series. So, what went wrong this series? Well, first off, Budenholzer did what he should have done last year and put Giannis Antetokounmpo, a defensive player of the year level player, on Jimmy Butler for pretty much as much as Jimmy Butler had the ball. This was just absolutely devastating because Jimmy can't he can't post up Giannis and back him down. He can't blow by Giannis um, and then try to attack the rim because Giannis' arms are just so freaking long. Like he just pin it against the backboard if Butler tries to do that. He can't really shoot over him either. So overall, it severely limited Jimmy Butler. And sure, there were, there were definitely times that he let that get to the point that he wasn't as aggressive. But still, even like when we saw Game 3, when he was being aggressive... He wasn't able to do much, any playmaking at all. Uh, he was able to score a little bit, but that's about it because Giannis was just shutting him down. And through that, the Bucks were able to stifle a lot of what the, the he wanted to do on offense just to begin with. Uh, additionally, Drew Holiday, turns out, makes a bit more of an impact than Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Holiday was absolutely devastating Arguably Milwaukee's second best player over Middleton, though Middleton did hit uh, the dagger-winning shot for Game One that helped the Bucks get them over the mental part. Uh, but still, over the course of like two, three, and four, Holiday was absolutely destructive, blowing things up on both ends. Like he was facilitating extremely well. Like I know he had a 
double-digit assist game, I think in three or four, I can't remember exactly which one, but facilitating on offense, hitting shots, keeping everything going, and then an absolute hound on defense. Uh, Middleton as well also gave him some credit for defense. The Bucks defense in general was just amazing, but Holiday made a significant impact. And yeah, turns out a really good player. Uh, the other thing that I, I think went really in the Bucks' favor was Budenholzer's approach to this series. He was playing like every single game. His his job was on the line. Uh, I mean, like Miami would have times like in Game Three or Game Four where they would have maybe cut the lead to under twenty, and Budenholzer was coming calling a timeout because he needs to get the team back on back on it to keep that twenty point edge. Uh, he would not. He did not want to give Miami any breathing room at all. And kind of like with um, the the holiday thing, like again, if he's being a positive rather than being a negative, like he was last year, like he was definitely I wouldn't say he was a massive positive. Like he pretty much did the things he should have done last year. Uh, and it turns out that that was just enough because Miami couldn't adjust to that. And I just we'll get to that in a little bit why they couldn't, but you know it was a solid positive versus him being a definite negative last year is just a massive improvement overall. And, yeah, for Miami's end, though, uh, they never did find a way to replace Jay Crowder, and it was especially hurtful in this series. The big acquisition ended up being um, Trevor Ariza, who kind of did a facsimile of what Crowder was doing and that, like, he can give you some offensive production. Wasn't quite the consistently amazing shooter that Crowder was last year, but could knock down the three, but also could drive a little bit. And then on defense, he he did help like replicate a lot of the, the numbers part of it. Um, it was this specific matchup that the differences between him and Crowder became really apparent. Uh, for example, Crowder was definitely a lot stronger, a little bit younger too, so that definitely kind of helps. But Crowder was able to kind of body and be a primary defender on Giannis in a way that Trevor Ariza just cannot do unfortunately i mean that's fair Giannis is an ath like his, his nickname is the greek freak because he is top 0.0 whatever percent of athleticism for the like the human race so understandable if you can't stay in front of this guy but still Crowder was able to to do it to an effect that ariza was not and then conversely on the offensive end crowder who was a steady source of shooting for miami ariza was a non-factor on offense. Like he would just have games where the the offense wasn't there at all. So, you know, problem. Not giving him much on defense, and like sure he was a body to throw at Giannis, but not the most effective body. And giving you nothing on offense, so that that doesn't replace Crowder. Uh, Iguodala, we already know his limitations as a shooter, even from last year. Good playmaker, solid defender, but definitely not going to be a replacement. Uh, looking out as well, uh, Dwayne Dedman, maybe, but again, the shooting isn't there. He played more like a big for Miami than he did necessarily like a 3 and D player, like what they needed from that position. And then Bielitsa, who did show some shooting once we got to, to garbage time of the series. And maybe he did that a little bit to try to be a factor. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. Like, I think it was game four. Bielitsa ended up getting MVP chance from the crowd because... It was the only thing that gave them anything to root for, which is perfectly representative of what this series ended up being, that Bielitsa is getting MVP chance while Miami is just getting swept out. 
Um, so, hooray, he, he put up a bit of a shooting display on offense to, to get that, but we, we knew his conditioning wasn't going to be there after coming from the Kings to, to, to make enough of an impact on defense for it to be worth it. And for the time that he got during the regular season, he didn't really show enough shooting to, to have warranted time, um, minutes in the playoffs. So, I mean, a little bit too little too late. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I doubt he would have been able to replicate the defensive part to, to give Miami what they needed on both ends. So in addition to the power forward position now becoming a negative for Miami in this series, the other part of the front court, Bam Adebayo, struggled mightily against the Bucks' defense, who did a phenomenal job against him by quite literally just dropping Brooke Lopez and saying, here, Bam Adebayo, here's a bunch of space in the elbow that you're supposed to love so much with your mid-range jumper. Please go ahead and shoot. And he was not taking that space. He wasn't taking advantage of that to punish him for it. Um, so with that, you can kind of do a lot of damage to what Adebayo provides on the offense, like screening, dribble handoffs. So like dribble handoffs are easy to take care of because Lopez is just dropping. Bam can't like fake a handoff to then blow by and try to um, attack the basket because the Lopez is the the center's already dropped there. Conversely, you just have the defender for like maybe Robinson or Hero trail behind them, blows that all up. Pick and roll, drop, uh, fight over the screen, blows it up. Bam cannot roll to the rim because Lopez is already there. It's going to wall it off. Uh, Bam can't get to the free throw line. Like They did a phenomenal job of just making Bam extremely uncomfortable and trying to put him in a position where they were saying, hey, Bam, you're going to need to be aggressive this series. And unfortunately for him, he was unable to step up and punish the, the Bucks for that, which was a huge negative uh, for Miami. Like, th- granted, the Bucks are pretty well built to stop Bam Adebayo, and, but it was just a thing where last year they didn't capitalize on that too well. This year, they absolutely capitalized on it. And, um, yeah, they, pun- they punished Miami for Bam's lack of aggression. And lastly, the Heat, they did not get anything out of the guards like they did last year. So we didn't have a multi-month break for Goran Dragic to get healthy. Um, after Again, he suffered a foot injury in the NBA Finals in October and then was playing basketball again in December. But just a super quick turnaround. So no rest for Dragic, really. And it showed in the playoffs. Like, he was able to... He was able to give them spurts. So, like, I consider the X-Fact, one of the X-Factors for the series to be Miami's guard rotation. They needed at least one of the three guards between Nun Hero and Robinson to give them something in each game. Dragic ended up being the most consistent of, of the three, and at least giving them something, but still it was only kind of in spurts. Game three, when they put him in the starting lineup, it wasn't really there. Gone in game four as well. So, Dragic, I mean, his age is showing, and it really hurts, but... He, he wasn't able to step up like he was last year. Hero just was an, an absolute negative this series, and I think there's going to be a bit of a long look to, to see what Tyler Hero's future is going to be with the Miami Heat. Um, maybe they'll give him a bounce back. He If so, he needs to capitalize on it, because right now, his like, if you want to use the phrase like stock, his stock is plummeting at the moment. And Kendrick Nunn, like, solid, but... Not really positive, not really negative, but if you're not really being that much of a positive, you're, you're kind of being a negative, at least in the sense of a team that's trying to contend. Like, you want all your rotation players to at least be a, a bit of a positive in some way. 
Um, and then Miami did take a swing for Victor Oladipo to at least give a shout-out for that, but he got injured after a handful of games, and he was never there again. So Miami was unable to replicate the squ- the supportive scoring that they got from the guards that last season helped them to kind of get them to the point that Butler could close. But this year, Butler wasn't able to do anything with Giannis on him, and the supporting scoring from the guards was just completely gone. Add that in with everything else uh, that went positive for the Bucks and went bad for the Heat. Uh, I would say that like this series is probably something more along the lines of 70 to 80% the Bucks just being a better team, making adjustments, and dominating the matchup from like a mentality and schematic standpoint. About 20% of the Heat not really addressing the roster. But overall, I mean, they, they were the inferior team. And sure, they did some they did some stuff that definitely hurt them. But I think even if the Heat played to the best, like they didn't do that 20%, this is probably just a, a, a five-game gentleman sweep series. Like, the Bucks were the better team. They were hell-bent after last year on proving that they belong in the title contention uh, conversation. Kudos to them, I guess. Uh, for Miami, now it's kind of the question of where does the Heat go after this? So with a sweep, I think it's pretty obvious Miami has to address their roster. Personally, uh, my thoughts on the moment, uh, keep Bam, keep Butler, maybe keep Robinson depending upon what kind of money offers he gets. Maybe keep Hero just because he probably doesn't have a lot of value as a trade asset right now. You need to recoup some of that. Um, but yeah, outside of that, pretty much say everybody's available. Because Miami, can't, they cannot run this roster back. That is one of the, the I, if you want to say this is the optimistic part here, one of the, the good things about a sweep like this is it gives you a, a very clear direction. The direction being stuff needs to be shaken up, especially for an organization that has a lot of pride like Miami. Um, additionally, what does Miami need to do going forward? They need to get Bam out of bio, uh, back in the gym, working on counters and moves and things that he can do um, to, to help attack when he's given space because the Bucks gave a blueprint on how to stop Bam in the playoffs. Now he has to adjust. That I don't. I feel pretty confident in just because Bam has consistently added things to his game over the last few years. You think just from the defense to the playmaking to... A little bit of a mid-range shot, but definitely an improved shot, just especially from the free throw line. Um, now, take let's see if he can take another step. While he does that, though, the Heat will probably be exploring mainly the trade market and what they can maybe do in free agency because they can clear up some good space. They they don't have any draft picks, neither first or second round in this year's draft, so they won't can't expect reinforcements to come from there. However. Um, other options usually arise from Miami. I mean, Pat Riley is still the godfather for a reason. He knows how to swing trades. And we got to hope that he's still got a little bit more uh, black magic up the hand. But this will do it for the series recap. Went a little, little bit longer than I expected. Uh, up next, I'll do just like an overall season recap pod. I'll drop that next Monday. And then from there, I'll kind of make plans for what the next uh, few months are going to be as we go into the offseason for Miami. So that'll be all for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at KBR Heat Nation and the pod at Heaters Heating. Also be sure to check out the OTG Podcast Network at OTG Basketball. We've got a lot of pods, a lot of playoff content going out right now. If you're interested at all in any of the other teams, since 
No Miami season. Well, yeah, the season has come to a close now. Uh, and also, oh, also be sure to check out the NBA outlet. Always love that one. And then thanks very much, though, for checking in. And I hope you all have a great one. I mean, in and on not the note that we liked, but still, we get to root for one of the best NBA organizations out there. Even with a year like this, there's still one of the best NBA organizations out there. Cannot take that for granted. Uh, thank you very much, though. Let's go, E Nation.